You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Spiritual Grit Part 2. Have you ever heard someone say, God will never give you more than you can handle? Have any of you ever heard anything like that? I've had that said to me multiple times. God's never going to give you more than you can handle. That means God's going to manage it and protect it. It means it won't land on you and undo you. This past week, I was having a conversation with the 12 stoner and... uh, uh, she, they have a, a, a couple of teenage kids and then talking about feel like God's maybe calling them to, to adopt and it looks like that may happen and they're going to start over in, in addition to having a couple of teenage kids. And, and it reminded me, and I started into our story of, you know, we had a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and, and, and I was turning 42 and God graciously, so kindly and miraculously, uh, she, she got pregnant and we, and we had a forthcoming. And I, I've talked about that before, but... God will never give you more than you can handle, is, is what I've been told. And see, our, our household had been wiped out of any evidence that we had children under nine. I mean, we just said, you wouldn't even know. We were, we, I was so dumb. I love my kids. But that infant to five-year-old, infant to three, I just, I wasn't created for that. Not having a job, having a wife, having a family. and that, 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 I used to tell Marsha, birth me a five-year-old. I mean, it's like, I just, just I can't do it. I can't, and I, I was so glad to be beyond it. And when she got preg- I, pregnant, I, 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 first of all, I, I, I don't know how I do. But I, I don't know how. And I just, I, I went dark. Now, yes, uh, it's been 16 years. God knew that, that Jaden would come into this world. He and I would be great buds, and, and he would turn 16. He would get his license, and I would have my own personal Uber Eats driver. So, okay, that's not bad. That just started this summer, and I don't even have to tip him. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. God knew that 16 years down the road, I'd be talking and saying this, and it'd be funny. And Jay knows he's special. He's like, hey, mom and dad planned the first three. God planned number four. So he's, so he's already got a sense of his elevated place in life. But I don't think I can describe for you how dark I went. I mean, I went dark. I mean, my soul closed in. I said, God, I can't do this. What you've asked me to do... And senior pastor in 12 stone. And I, I was done with two. You gave us three. Thank you. Four, 42, starting over. Are you out of your mind? What is wrong with you, God? I, mean, I was mad. I sat in the church parking lot with friend Dave Roney. And I'm, I know there were tears. There was real anger. And such despair. I wrote my resignation. No joke. I mean, I was done. I, I went back, because that gal spurred it on. I went back in my notes, my computer, and I looked up. Do I still have that from 16 years ago? I found my resignation that I wrote that was going to be handed to the elders at the birth of Jaden. And it's confidential. <laughs> With our fourth child, I resigned from pastoring 12 stone. Heavenly Father, you know at this stage of my life in ministry, a fourth child is kryptonite to me. I cannot lead with the demands and pressure of senior pastoring 12 stone the next season and be a good father to this child, especially with the other three. So I will go find, I mean, I'm going to leave this church. I have to. I'll go find maybe a staff role in another church where I can manage it because I cannot endure. I cannot what, everybody? Can't hear the word. I cannot what? I mean, I really wrote this 16 years ago. This is a literal copy. I know my three kids are going to hate this. God, they'll hate the move, but I can't endure. It's more than I can handle. When people ask, will God give you more than you can handle? I say, yes. I think Paul would agree. Check this out. I think that this is Paul's experience as he's writing. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond. Oh, oh, oh what, what did he say? Far beyond our ability to what, everybody? Endure. If you're online, if you're another camp, wherever you are, you got to say that with me. Far beyond our ability to what, everybody? 
endure. I can't endure this. God's giving me more than I can. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened. Watch, watch, watch. But this happened that we might not, what? That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I mean, like, if God's going to let us die, God can raise the dead. God is so big that he overwhelms what's bigger than me. If you ask Paul, Paul, does God give you more than you can handle? The answer is, of course he does, but it's never more than God can handle with you. But you go do that on your own, and I promise you, it'll be more than you can handle. But what he lets come in your life is not more than he can handle with you if you would rely on God, yeah? That's, That's what he's saying. So when I got to that stage and I'm writing my resignation, it's like, God, it's more than I can handle. And he's saying, well, sure it is. (laughs) But I want to form something in you called endurance, spiritual grit. That's why we talked last week. This is part two of two parts. Last week was part one. You need last weekend if you missed it. You got to get it. This goes together. We said, if you just had this one thing called spiritual grit, it'd probably do more for good, for you, for the long run, than just about anything else you could do. Get spiritual grit. And what is spiritual grit? I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it right here. You can write it down again in your notes. Spiritual grit is the encouragement and endurance of Jesus. Jot it down. You got all kinds of room in your teaching notes. We kind of opened up the teaching notes to give you space. People keep saying, give me more room. Well, okay, you got it. Spiritual grit is the encouragement and the endurance of Jesus. Spiritual grit. Everybody across campus, say this with me. It's right in front of you. Let's say it together so we know what we're talking about. Spiritual grit. Hold up. Y'all need to be with me. You ready? Here we go. Spiritual grit is the encouragement and endurance of Jesus. Sure it is. And last week we talked about the encouragement side. This time I'm going to lean into the endurance side. And I drew a little design for you. I'll do it again as a reminder. Only now I'm going to do it brief. You want it in greater form. Last week we acknowledged together that oftentimes things are harder than expected. And when things are harder than expected, like it was for Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, when he went to the garden and prayed, what he received from the Father and from the Spirit was encouragement. He was encouraged for the joy set before him, the joy that death would take him, but then he would rise from the dead and conquer sin and death, the joy that he would be restored to the Father. We were the joy set before him, that he would restore us to him, to the heavenly father, that our, we could be redeemed and made new and have new life for the joy set before him. Jesus endured, there it is again, he did what? Endured the cross. But what does Satan try to do? Satan's over here trying to discourage. And every one of us know what it means to be discouraged. Oh my goodness, he, he instead of joy, he goes after fear. And every one of us know what it means to have seeds of fear and doubt and uncertainty undo us from the inside out. And we can't see. Things go dark and, and, and hopeless. And when you experience this and this dominates instead of endure, it's, it's, it's end. It's like, okay, I, I, I'm done. I can't do this goes dark. And what Paul is telling us here is that when you want to resign, which is what I was doing, I'm resigning, I'm done. And by the way, there's a lot of places you want to resign in life from your commitments. He says, rely. You want to learn how to endure. You want to grow spiritual grit with this encouragement and endurance. Let's talk about relying. And so there are three things that are going to help us today. Endure worthwhile things. Write these down. This is what we're talking through for the remainder of our time. Endure by relying on Jesus. Endure for the good of his kingdom. Endure for the good of others. Now we'll leave that up for there for a bit. We're going to walk through this in the life of Paul. And while we jump into this, I, I, know, I know what I want to say. Let, let me give it a shot. I've had more than one season when I've wanted to resign. I'm not proud of that. I'm not celebrating that. And I've wanted to resign from many commitments in life along the way. I mean, who doesn't? Endurance is no small thing. But I can tell you, 16 years ago when I was 42, and when I wrote the resignation from this church, it was planning to hand it to the elders and be done. I thought something at 42. I thought 
that someday this will get easier. Oh, someday. Someday I'm going to get old. Someday I'm going to be like in my 50s. If I ever make it, I'm be so far over the hill that, that it just, the valley can't go deep enough if you go past your 50s. Life's over anyway. That's what I'm thinking of 42. But when I get there, I'm going to be like a Moses. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to be so spiritually mature that endurance is easy. Obedience is easy. Keeping commitments is easy. I'm going to have so much spiritual muscle. I can't wait to get old enough so this does not undo me. I just want you all to know, for you who are younger, 42 and under, that is wishful, stupid thinking. Every one of us with any experience, I'll talk about everybody over 50, 60, etc. Would you not say to the younger generation, hello, you're going to need endurance your whole life, all the way through. This never ends. They, listen, you don't possess endurance, you practice it. And you're either relying or you want to resign. This never ends. And if I may, this is what I want to say. I would love to talk to you. Oh, it's almost like a spiritual father. Would you let me do that today? I want to talk to people like in that roughly 42 and under stage. Stuff that if you would be honest to God about this, that you would be encouraged. I love you. I, have, I want better for you. God wants better for you. Everybody over mid-40s, you all kind of get it, but you'll learn from it. It'll help you. It'll reinforce. But everybody under it, I want, I want to talk to you like I am 58 years old, because I am. It's been 16 more years since uh, that time. I want to talk to you like a man who just celebrated his 37th anniversary last week, which I did with my wife, 37 years on August 7th. I want to talk like somebody who's raised four kids. Well, I got, I'm in the middle of one, but, but you know, ra ra raised and got some grandkids. I've been in ministry for 37 years, and, and listen, I'm probably weaker than I've ever been, and God's probably as strong as he's ever been. And you don't think that process makes sense until you get a hold of what's going on supernaturally. So if you give me permission, it, I'm going to take it anyway, but, but I hope you give me permission. I just, I, today I want to talk to those like of, you know, early 40s and under, and everybody hopefully can listen. Let, let me add something here. When you... When when you get spiritual grit, when God's got gross spiritual grit in you, then, then when we're done with this two weeks, there's something you got to add on top of that. And it's the six convictions of the Holy Spirit that he gave to Paul. In Romans chapter 8, God gave six convictions. And that's our next series. Next week for six weeks, we're going to talk about the freedom that comes from those six convictions. And you got to add those to your life. Let me just show you where we're going. Freedom from what? Fear, regret. Defeat, freedom from discouragement, freedom from failing, freedom from doubt. For the next six weeks, that's where we're going. As soon as you read it, in your spirit, you go, well, I need that kind of freedom. Well, of course you do. That's why you, you want to be here. God's going to move in the next six weeks. And then you're thinking, oh, who should I invite? You know, because how many people do you know need that kind of freedom in their life? You say, oh, the Spirit of God's going to tell you, you need to invite them. Maybe, 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 maybe this is going to be the breakthrough into freedom God has for you. Well, of course it is. But today, Endurance. And those three thoughts of endure worthwhile things. Put them back up there, guys. We'll leave them there as we talk about it. Grab your Bibles, turn over. We're going to sit in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Everyone across campuses, get your Bibles. Or if you've if, if, if you got a mobile device, we're going to sit in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's page 1165 in your worship center Bible. If you're not used to getting a Bible, just it's underneath your chair. Uh, in this place, it's underneath your chair. Some of the campuses, you grab one on the way in. It's somewhere near you. Grab the Bible. We're all at the same page. Page 1165, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, as we jump into this, we're going to unpack those three primary thoughts of, of if you will, enduring worthwhile things. And Paul, in chapter 12, we're going to interrupt him. We really need to go back to chapter 10 and chapter 11 because it interrupts. Paul, who planted the church in, in Corinth, is, is <laughs> the people are kind of turning a little bit on their, on their pastor, on their spiritual father. And, and Paul is almost in the middle of a sarcastic rant to give his spiritual leadership resume. Like, like they're following false leaders and apostles. They kind of drift from their own church and are, are listening to other people who, who, who have these, these kinds of, of visions in a sense that they're somebody. And, and, and Paul's like, well, you know what? You, you, you get this idea, these Greeks' background, that, that mystical vision 
Christians is the mark of spiritual authority. And, and, and so people would literally, it was common to, to get drunk in order to have a high experience and then say, oh, in my, in my out-of-body state, I had an experience and then teach with authority out of that. And Paul's like, you know what, let, let me talk to you. He said, I know it's foolish, but I'll give my spiritual resume. And so we're in the middle of Paul giving the spiritual resume. Here we go. Chapter 12, verse 1. I must go on boasting. It's almost sarcasm when he's saying it this way, almost tongue-in-cheek. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. I know it's foolish, but you get, you, I got to help you realize I have a resume here. You ought to be listening to the truth of God. So although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ, by the way, he's talking about himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would be a, not be a fool. In other words, if I want to boast about the visions, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassing great revelations. Pause. I had these great revelations. God caught me up in the third heaven. I've seen things you can't even imagine of what God is doing. The real world is the spiritual world. I'm fully engaged I have apostolic authority. That's what Paul's saying. Here's the truth. But listen, I'm not going to boast about myself because it's not me. It's God in me. Don't, I don't get caught up in me. Get caught up in God. And so he goes on. Therefore, verse 7 midway, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, to help me deal with my pride is what he's saying. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, a thorn, a what? A thorn. This thorn in my physical, that I'm having to endure in the physical realm, and it's a messenger from Satan to torment me. I mean, this is good. This is demanding and difficult. So verse 8, three times I pleaded. Man, I prayed. I begged. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. In other words, it was more than I could handle. Verse 8, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul goes on, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Pause. That's my prayer for us today. I think that, that's God's prayer, that Christ's power may rest on us. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Paul's saying, look, I've become strong in this. So he's got these, these experiences with God, and yet he's got this thorn in the flesh that's more than he can handle, and he's begging God, oh, dear God, help me. God, help me get to the other side of this. But God had a greater purpose. You got to walk this through. God had a greater purpose. Now, there's a lot of question about this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. Obviously, it was a, a fallen angel, a demon, and, 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 and God's allowing things to happen. And in God's allowance of this, it's more than Paul can handle. And what is the thorn in the flesh? There's a lot of discussion in theological circles that have been ever since this has been written. Some think it's not clear. Some think it's physical ailment and difficulty and suffering. Some things it's psychological and, what, and, and, and some of the battles he was having. Uh, really, I, I think, and, and, and I I think most scholars will kind of ultimately lean to it. It was probably the, the resistance and the persecution of the gospel that kept on doing and resisting the very thing he was called to do. But it was, it was more than he could handle. It was his thorn in the flesh. And that's why you'll hear people talk about, man, I got this thorn in the flesh. What they're saying is, God's allowed something in my life that's more than I can handle. And, and, and in a sense, Paul's saying, okay, I went to prayer. I mean, Paul, Paul. I went to prayer. This, this is the one God loves. God's chosen. He's, he's, he's writing the majority of the New Testament. The healings are happening all around him and through him. He prays for someone. They're healed. His, 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 his shadow is cast over someone and they're, they're transformed. I mean, wow, this is Paul. And he begs. Almost like, okay, over here, I'll, I'll, I'll resign from my commitments. Let me walk away from my commitments. Or, or God, remove the thorn. God, I'm giving you two choices. I'm going to resign or you remove it. And God says, I'm taking neither. How about rely? Can't hear you. Because that was an amen. <laughs> See, we don't like that. We're like, I did not give you that choice. When I prayed, gave you two options. And God said no. To Paul. Now to the three points. Number one, endure by relying on Jesus. That's, that's 
See, spiritual grit is not self-reliance. It's relying on Jesus. God, listen, God was growing Paul and rescuing Paul from himself. God had so blessed Paul. I mean, when God's kind to you, when you have blessings in life, you start thinking you did it. You start thinking your success in business, in life, whatever you have, it's you. It's me, I did that. Conceit, pride has a way of deceiving us into self-reliance and pulling us from God. And in the midst of this thorn, this thing that was more than Paul could handle, it made him humble. It's either going to turn you away from God or toward God, but the design of God is that it would bring you to him. It's in the midst of that that you seek God when you say, I either need to resign or you need to remove this. And God says, no, I want to teach you to rely. My grace is sufficient. Paul needed to experience a deeper place of God's grace because there was more of God. God loved Paul so much, he was protecting Paul from self. Look at what James said about all this. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of everybody, everybody what? Endurance. But let the process go on until that, here we go, endurance is fully developed and you will find you have become men of mature character. You will become men and women of mature character. God is forming himself in you. Listen, God's not wrecking you. He's transforming you. So you're going to need endurance. Look, I'm not proud that I wrote that resignation 16 years ago. And I've had many times in my life when I wanted to resign from my commitments. And just, just so that we're all clear, and, and anyone who wants to be honest, how many of you have ever wanted to resign from any commitment you've made in life? Like you just, like, I'm done. I'm walking. Oh, sure you do. Do you see all that hands? Do you see that? And that happens in many areas of life. I wanted to resign from my marriage. When, when we got married and I said I do, I know God gave me a good one. But I knew God gave her a better one. <laughs> I wanted in the wedding for, for it to say I do and then you're welcome. <laughs> and when we were having challenges in the first one, two, three, four years of marriage, I mean, it just, uh, it was horrific. And it, it took a while before it solved. But I just, that framework alone, and I'm, I'm telling my wife, listen, Marsha, thorn in my flesh. <laughs> Other people are listening to me. I'm a pastor. <laughs> They're listening. Maybe that's a clue. You should listen. <laughs> I don't know why, but that didn't go well. <laughs> Who knew? I remember the fight in the grocery store. Have mercy. It's one of our just so embarrassed it started building somewhere around the cereal. <laughs> and it lost control in the frozen food department. And we embarrassed ourselves in the store. And it just went so bad, I walked out and I walked home. And on my walk home, I said, I'm done. I resign. I don't want this marriage. Now I know why my parents divorced. I mean, this really sucks. I'm, I'm just, I can't do this and I'm not doing this. I remember going to my mom and saying, I made a mistake. I married the wrong person. My mom said, listen, I've already been through divorce. It doesn't solve things. You get on your knees, and you go talk to Jesus, and you get back to your wife, and you grow up. I mean, how is that helpful, Mom? Oh, go ahead, applaud her. Yeah, she's up in heaven like, I told you, son. So I got on my knees. I mean, I'm pastoring. I got on my knees and said, God, I don't know what to do with her. And he says, I do. Fix you. And slowly but surely, God began to form things in me. Listen, people ask, you know, how do you do 37 years of marriage and love each other more than you did when you got married? Prayer and reliance on Jesus. It was in prayer that God told us, quit having arguments with each other. Stay with me. You don't vent to your spouse until you vet it in prayer. 
And whatever God gives you permission to bring up to your spouse, you bring. 95% of our arguments ended. Because in prayer, God would say the problem's you, not the other person. Fix you. 95% of the stuff we argue, we, we'd never come up anymore. It, they, they just start, it just started dropping off. When I was 42 and I wanted to resign, God required me to learn to pray differently and I'd been pastoring for a long time. Jaden coming into this world changed my prayer life. I had to get to my next level of prayer. Listen, whatever you're going through in hard times, if you're under 42, let me just tell you something. God is not wrecking you, he's building you. He's forming an endurance in you. Let it have its perfect work and go your next level of prayer in your marriage, in your career, in your finances, in your character, in your walk with God, and your trust of God. He is not wrecking you. If you will seek him, you will find his grace is sufficient. And that's not because I have a great idea. It's because God makes that kind of commitment to us. And Paul would say, learn to rely on Jesus. Number two, endure worthwhile things by enduring for the good of his kingdom. You just jot it down if you had it. And this is more of the challenge side. This is, here's, here's the challenge. Endure for the good of the kingdom. In verse 10, we've, we've read in, ch in chapter 12, for the sake of Christ. For Jesus, he wrote, for the sake of Jesus Christ. I'm going through all this because my life has been shifted. I don't do things for my own sake. I can't start with me. Got to start with him. What's transformed in Paul's life is, is that he now has to start with God. The big deal is God. I do all this for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of Jesus. My life is living for bigger things. If you're 42 and under, you get this stuff sealed in your soul so you know what you're living for and why you're living and, and where you're going. Particularly if you're Gen Z, like, like my son Jake and number four, Jaden. I mean, you got to get something in your soul. In fact, I write it down right here. God does not exist for you. You exist for God. Write it down. God does not exist for you. You exist for God. you got to get that because a whole bunch of us are doing our faith as if God ex exists for us. No wonder it doesn't work. You exist for God. That's, that's the flow. And so that's what's encouraging. That should be inspiring. That's motivating to you because you're a part of something bigger than yourself. I try to form that in my kids. See, I, the moment Jaden's born, I'm like, okay, God's about something I didn't plan. Therefore, therefore, listen, God's raising a mighty warrior. When God gives you a child, he gives you a call to raise a mighty warrior for his kingdom. That's what I'm there to do as a parent. To, to raise a what? Mighty warrior. To raise a what? Mighty warrior. I, that's what I'm there to do. I got to form him to know that he exists for God. My kids turned 16, as Jaden did this past summer. Uh, they get my prayer sword, the, the sword I've been using for prayer. You've heard me talk about this stuff, and it's in the lobby of the central campus uh, right here, and, and, and that whole Gideon statue and the sword, and what's that about? I pray with the sword because I know I'm in spiritual warfare, and I, I use the sword when I pray because it helps me remember the significance and the spiritual battle that's in play in the real kingdom, the kingdom of God. That's what's going on. It's the biggest thing happening. So then I take my prayer sword. And, and I write this long letter to Jaden, and I entrust my prayer sword to him. And I say, son, from 16 to 18, three things have to grow in you. You have to grow your capacity for weighty conversations. I mean, this isn't Netflix all the time. This isn't video games. This isn't popularity. This isn't social media. This, that, that your life is not just physical material. You have got to raise your capacity for weighty conversations in the kingdom of God because you're a mighty warrior. God put you here for his kingdom's sake. Your generation is likely to have the greatest impact on this country because we're in the greatest decline. God's about something, and you get to be a part of it, and your generation raise your capacity for weighty conversations. Second, own your faith. All these years you watch mom and dad walk with Christ. All these years you see us engaged together, but you gotta start owning this. Yes, you've come to faith in Jesus, but you, it's gotta be yours, 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 more and more and more. And so that by the time you get to adulthood, you own it. Thirdly, you gotta learn to spiritually feed yourself. The majority of people cannot do it. My son, I, I will help you. You can sit with me in my devotions. I'll watch you walk through it. But, but listen, Marsha and I did on our anniversary what we do every day. 
We got up early and she went to her prayer corner and I went to my prayer place and we're in God's word and we're in prayer. That's how our marriage works for 37 years. Son, if you don't spiritually feed yourself, this will never be real for you. And God's called your generation. I mean, I'm there to help my son become that person. If you're of that generation, those things, those callings, if I could spiritually father you into it, I would. Chase those. Chase him. And that's how you chase him. 12 Stone God has a vision on this church for the next five to seven years. It's going to be the largest impact he's asked us to have for his kingdom's sake. It's a call of God on us. Transform souls, transform families, transform communities. And, and God's putting that in us. We're only talking about vision 2021, which is the next couple of years, which is kind of like the seed of the whole vision. This is the beginning. This is like putting in play because of Jesus, rooted in prayer, transform souls, families, and communities. And as God's putting that in us together, we're all making decisions. Are we going to be all in on this? Hope so. God's, God's inviting us. It's bigger things. We say transform families. I was talking with a 12 stoner not so long ago. I mean, just a few weeks back. And in the conversation, he, he's talking about his own marriage. And he said, listen, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you where I've been. He said, we were married. I was bored. And I said, just, you know what kept going in my soul? I'm not happy. I'm not what? Happy. He said, I think I'm not happy. It's destroying this culture. He said, I'm not happy, so eventually I just wrecked my marriage to get happy. And I'm not happy, so I divorce. So I'm divorced and separated from my kids, and you know, I'm in the middle of all that, and I, you know what? I'm still not happy. He said, I don't know how to explain this to you. I said, dear God, what is this life? He said, I felt something. I don't know how to express it. I just felt something. I'm not close to God. I'm sure I believe all this. But he said, Pray. He says, I, I just started praying. I'd stop at this chapel and I'd pray. And slowly but surely, God was drawing me to himself. He told me, go back to my wife. Go fix this. You know, both of them ended up being invited to 12 Stone. If I understand correctly, they were at different campuses. <laughs> Divorced, different campuses. And the Spirit of God's working on them. Messing with them. They get alive in Jesus. He starts dating his wife. He starts chasing his ex-wife. God does a miracle between them. They get remarried, and they're helping make happen this next vision because God transformed them. I'm telling you, only Jesus can do that, right? Only Jesus can do that. And th these are the things God's called. So when we go to Sunday night, and we say, re-engage, and we're going after this, this stuff of Jesus-centered development, and, and, and we want, God's got to form in us the things that we get to be a part of, transforming souls, families, and communities. But it's got to be for his kingdom's sake. So you endure for his kingdom's sake. Third, endure worthwhile things. And particularly if you're 42 and under, I'm just telling you, your life will be exceedingly blessed if you endure by relying on Jesus, if you endure for his kingdom's sake, and if you endure for the good of others, jot it down, endure for the good of others. This is a very large, complicated, and transforming thought. Part of what helps you endure is for the sake of others. God's called us to things. We make commitments. We endure. Just sit in it. We endure for the sake of others. You're 42 and under. You're a rising generation. You're, listen. <laughs> you have to get beyond yourself. And that's no small thing. Let me practice an example. Should we stay together for the sake of our kids? I've heard that for decades. Just, I'm not going after anyone. But I want to help the rising generation. The answer is, well, of course. But listen, I'm not going after anyone. I've come from a divorced, broken family. How many of you walked it? Many of you are divorced. You don't, you don't want to be divorced. Many of you are like, I had no choice. I got, I'm not talking about your divorce. I'm talking about a rising generation and saying, look, you're in the middle of this. Hey, you stay together for your kids? Just let me talk it through. Of course you do. Stay with me. Let me just talk about it. Just listen. Maybe God will help you. Of course you do. First of all, 
Many of us start with this idea when we're married, well, let's have kids, that'll bring us together. <laughs> I love that. Go ahead, have some. They bring you together at first, and then they rip you apart. I mean, that's, it's just the beauty of children. Why? Because to have them, you have to, listen, what's broken in your marriage is, marriage is selfishness. Kids will just destroy that because then you have to be absorbed in them. It's just the nature and the beauty of children. They, they need you to be about them. I watched as our family, we're at the end of the summer, we had a family dinner, brought everybody together. You know, I got a married Josh with his wife, Christina, and two grandchildren. I got, I got uh, Julissa married Kevin and a grandchild, and I got Jake, my 24-year-old, who's single, having the life in Midtown, working at Delta. It's all good. No debt, no responsibility, the dating, single life. Woo, do whatever I want. He had a wonderful summer. I mean, he, he just travels so he can fly anywhere he wants. He just got back from the Tetons, hiking it with a couple of friends, okay? This is fantastic. We're going to have this family dinner. We're going to tell our little story, the Blue Marlin. But, 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 but Josh, Jake says, man, I got great stories. Let's get together for family dinner. And Josh says, I have no stories. I have kids, but I'll come to dinner. I mean, it's like, I got nothing to share. I have kids. Jake's like, you should hear my adventures for the summer. So we get all together around the dinner table at home, and all of us with grandkids are, are in the circle. And literally, well, you just have to know how adorable the grandkids are. So Breland and Braden, here's a picture of them. Here's Breland reading a story to her six-month-old brother, Brayden. That's adorable. And God, has, I, we're convinced, has healed Brayden. And he's just developmentally doing incredibly well. And we're grateful to God. And it's just, it's just profound. And, and, then there's, and then there's little Myers, who's 16 months old. And he's just learned to fist bump. And, and I'm Grandpa, Papa, so i got to share the little video because it's adorable. Here he is. He's learned to fist bump. Something learned. Check it out. Myers. Nice. Boom. Okay, now every grandparent thinks their kid is the most adorable, so do I. We're at dinner, watch. Jake's trying to tell his story and can never finish a paragraph because one of the grandchildren is interrupting constantly. And so it interrupts the parents. And so they're looking at Jake. Oh, tell us what happened. Jake says, yeah, we were at the Tetons. And then, and then Breland starts singing and Braden starts making noise. And I got to pick him up. And then Myers says, oh, and the whole time, and I'm looking at Jake and I'm watching it build. He's like, why are we even doing this? Why are we even? There's no storytelling. It's not possible. We get done with dinner. We sit in the living room. His brother and sister are absorbed with their kids. They, they leave the house. And I sit there with Jake, and I look at him, and he just, oh, oh my gosh. I laughed. I said, they don't have a life, do they? It's horrible. <laughs> oh, Dad, that's horrible. I feel so bad for them. They have a horrible life. They have no life. I said, welcome. I said, enjoy your selfish single years, because, dude, when God gives it to you, you'll remember them, because kids are consuming. Listen. And they need parents who are consumed with God, who can get beyond themselves, who can learn to love each other in their marriage so well. Listen, I'm not telling you, stay with me. I'm not telling you you should stay together in a loveless marriage. I'm saying you should stay together in a marriage learning to love. And those are two different things. When I said I do to Marsha, it was not I do as in I stay married and endure you in misery. It's I do commit to learn to love you, which is one of the most difficult things in the world, but it's who God is. Learn to love. You got to get beyond yourself to be about others. Last week, I told you a story of the blue marlin. I enjoyed the story. Don't know if you did. If you missed it, I'm going to play it again, not for your pleasure, but mine. I learned to grow, but there's something I didn't tell you about the story. And I want you to watch. You'll see I'm not taking the video. If you see Marsha and Jaden, they're in the background. They're not taking the video. What really happened? Check it out, and I'll tell you. Come here, Cap. Why, 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 why am I crazy? Why? You don't whine like crazy. Why am I crazy? Why, 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 why? Don't come right at us. Don't come right at us. Don't come in. Why? Whoa! Whoa! Oh my goodness! 
bottom, baby. Blue bottom. Look at that. Look at that thing go. Cap, stop. He's running like crazy. Whoa. Whoa. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. Oh, my goodness. Look at him go. Now, let me tell you something. The guy in the background that keeps yelling, whoa, whoa, wind, 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 which means wind, 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 keep it tight, wind, wind, wind. He's encouraged me to endure. Wind, 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 wind. Listen, his name is James. He owns the boat. He loves to fish. This isn't a charter. I didn't pay for it. He invited me to the thing he loves. I did not hook the blue marlin. He did. It was his. He hooked it started reeling it, and said, Kevin, get in the chair. And he handed me the pole. The thing he loved, he handed to me. See, that's living bigger than yourself, right? That when God says you go out in the world, you take the things that God blesses you with that you love, and you hand them to other people. And the whole time he's saying, wind, 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 which means he's encouraging me because I'm dying. <laughs> What was I doing in the parking lot with Dave 16 years ago? I was whining because God had given me more than I can handle. And at the end of it, Dave prayed for me, and he was saying, wind, wind, wind. God will help you. You can do this. It may sound dopey, crazy. Like when I go run with Marsha, try and do three to five miles, I can't even do it. I quit, I can't, it's just, I don't know how you run that. I've never run five miles straight, run. I walk in the middle of it, and then once more walk. But my wife, she's kind of dopey. When I say she's dopey about this stuff, what I mean is she signed up for the Disney dopey run. Do you know what that is? Four days in 2020, back to back, four days. She's gonna run the 5K, the 10K, half marathon, full marathon, four days in a row. They call it the dopey, she is dopey. I don't know what's wrong with her, <laughs> but something's wrong with her. You know what, when God gave me a fourth, it sounded dopey to believe he could turn that around for good. Maybe you think praying for your marriage is dopey. Maybe you think you being a witness for Christ is dopey. But the Spirit of God is saying, wind, wind, wind. A church is coming together so that we can encourage each other to wind, wind, wind. So I want to pray for you. Like Paul, that the power of Christ might rest on you. So I want you to bow your heads across the campuses right now online. And, and maybe, maybe to receive this prayer, you want to stand. Maybe you want to say, listen, I need this prayer for endurance. If, you, if somewhere in your life you need God to help give you endurance, to form more perfectly himself in you, for his grace to be sufficient, nobody has to know what it is. You and God know what the thorn is, but you just begin to stand across the congregation. Just everywhere as I'm going to pray for you. Father, a whole bunch of us are going to stand right now, and we're saying, I need endurance. I need your grace. I need you to pour in me. I need you to pour over me. I need you to do in me the thing I cannot do for myself. Right now, maybe online, some people are standing all the camps as people are some people are standing we're saying God I would receive this God I'm in the middle of more than I can handle I, I I don't even know that I could express to anybody how dark it takes me and how far I go in despair or how I wish I could resign and run from this commitment financially or business or character or faith and family and God I just it just undoes me and I wish you would relieve it and you're not relieving it and God right now you're saying my grace is sufficient I pray for a pouring out of the Holy Spirit and a move of him upon us that Christ's power may rest on us. And if that's your prayer, ask him right now. Say, oh God, let Christ's power rest on me. In the midst of our weakness, God, would you be the one who makes us strong? God, we pray for a fresh move of spiritual grit to grow into the life of us as a people for your sake. And in that, God, while we're weak, may we be the strongest we've ever been. I pray for a rising generation that you would form that in them early and they would walk in this strong through the years and they would be a testimony, if not God, literally part of the awakening of the move of your spirit in this country for your kingdom's sake. Do for us what you did for Paul. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, saying amen. There's a psalm that says he put a new song in my mouth. Song of praise to our God. It's so good to sing new songs, right? So good to sing new songs. And we get that opportunity today. We're going to sing a new song simply about hungering and thirsting for God. 
just more of God, not just the things that he can do for us, but also just simply for who he is, you know? And I think sometimes it's easy for us to get complacent in our relationship with God or the amount of God that we have of him, right? I have my salvation, that's fine, or I pray here and there, I read here and there, and I have enough of God. Uh, but see, Jesus said in his word in Matthew that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. You see, it's not just enough to know of God. There is so much more of him that he's inviting us to experience, so much more of him to know, so much more of his spirit to feel, so much more of his voice to hear, and he's inviting us to it. So what we're declaring in this song, we're, saying, we're saying, God, give me a hunger and a thirst for you. I hunger and thirst for you, God. And if you are there this morning, that you have a hunger, a fire, a desire for God, then that's good. The word says that that's a blessing. But if you don't, that's okay. Make this a prayer for yourself today. God, would you give me the desire to want to know you more? Trusting that when we do, when we seek Jesus with all we have, he says that we will find him. So we're going to lift this song up. When you catch on, just sing with us. Wherever you are today, there's more of God to know. There's more of him to experience. Just lean into the years. Seek him. You'll find him.
Let us speak to you. 